Hello and welcome to this audio recording for the weekly research roundup, research published between the 24th and the 30th of October 2023. I'm Katrina Pez, the research correspondent for the Emmy Association. It's been a busy week for research with a large variety of different topics. There have been 12 new ME-CFS studies and 26 new long-COVID studies this week. We have highlighted one of the ME-CFS studies in more detail below. Paper 2 is a systematic review and meta-analysis which looks into whether viral infections are the cause of ME-CFS. The study searched previously published research on viral infections in ME-CFS, finding 64 studies which met the inclusion criteria with 18 different viruses. 12 of these were DNA viruses, 4 were RNA viruses and 2 were retroviruses. This resulted in patient data from 4,971 patients with ME-CFS being included in the analysis with 9,221 controls. The controls included healthy controls and disease controls with one of 10 diseases such as multiple sclerosis, MS and fibromyalgia. The study calculated the odds ratio, OR, of different types of virus infections on ME-CFS. This is a measure of the association between exposure and an outcome. The OR represents the odds that an outcome, i.e. ME-CFS, will occur given a particular exposure, i.e. viral infection, compared to the odds of the outcome incurring in the absence of that exposure. The researchers set the criteria for an odds greater than 2 being classed as potentially risky virus infection. This was a fairly small study giving fairly limited findings. The researchers found that Borer disease virus, BDV, to be a viral infection most associated with developing ME-CFS. Other findings of the study were human herpes virus, HHV7, and parovirus B19 alongside their infection. These are both types of DNA viruses, had an odds greater of 2 on ME-CFS compared with controls, meaning that these are potentially risky viral infections. Borovirus, BDV, enterovirus, and coxsackle B virus which are all types of RNA viruses, had odds also greater than 2 on ME-CFS compared to controls, BDV exceeded the cutoff with an odds of over 3.47 on ME-CFS compared to healthy and disease controls. A few things to note about this study. The study also did not examine the patient characteristics in the previous research. Therefore, we do not know the diagnostic criteria for those with ME-CFS and how well the cohorts are defined. Further than this, 10 other diseases were included in the disease controls, which included MS and fibromyalgia, but also chronic fatigue was listed. However, we do not know how the previous research distinguished between chronic fatigue and ME-CFS, which weakens the separation between the cohorts. The use of the odds ratio is commented on to be difficult to interpret in other studies by the authors. Therefore, questions why the authors use this analysis tool. Additionally, it makes it difficult for the reader to interpret the results. The study also only included research that was conducted in English, so limited what could be included. The study only included viral infections, so we do not know the importance of bacterial or fungal infections on developing ME-CMS. However, viral infections are often thought to be significant in ME-CMS. There has been increasing evidence of viral infections of COVID-19 in developing ME-CFS, therefore it is a shame that this was not included, 
but at this point there's not enough evidence and data available for the researchers to have used. This study pulls together some interesting data from a wide range of viruses and demonstrates the possible cause of viruses in ME-CFS development. However, I feel that the results presented in this research are rather limited and still much more needs to be understood about the role of viruses. You may also be interested in reading this week paper 3 which is on post-acute COVID-19 vaccination syndrome, PACVS, in which chronic fatigue and dysautonomia can develop. This research can detect the change in diagnostic blood markers. However, it should be noted we do not know the prevalence and therefore risk of developing PACVS. Paper 6, which is on plasma proteinome signature in MECFS, with potential candidates being identified as possible biomarkers which included proteins involved in inflammation, cellular energy metabolism and vitamin B12 transport. Paper 7, which is on treating exercise capacity with pyristigmine and is found to improve anaerobic capacity in MECFS. Pyristigmine has already been found to help those with POTS. You can read Dr. Charles Seppley's comments about this on Facebook. Paper 11, which is on treatment with repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation and was found to alleviate a variety of symptoms. Thank you for listening to this audio recording of the weekly research roundup. I shall be back next week with the next instalment.